Well, good afternoon, everyone. The H1B guy here, and today the H1B guy live, Wednesday, November twenty third, two thousand and twenty two. Today, I'm going to discuss an Eagle Act update, uh, lingering H1B layoffs, as well as cover the October jobs report, and as always, taking your questions and comments. But before we get started, I'd like to ask you, if you haven't already, to please subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube and like this video so that I can continue to produce more content like this for you. I also wanted to mention the H1B Guy offers a variety of, of consulting services. I help businesses and individuals solve complex work authorization issues in the recruitment process while bringing awareness to employment-based immigration benefits. If I can help you, please reach out. I'd love to hear how. And you can book an appointment directly with me via the h1bguy.com. Today's live stream is brought to you by Syndesis and Path to Canada, the ideal plan B for high-skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain, by perm-ads.com, the industry leader in providing a seamless experience for employers and immigration attorneys, navigating the complex perm recruitment ad phase of the labor certification process, and by Mob Squad. Are you a technology professional facing U.S. work visa-related challenges? Don't leave your fate up to chance. Our partner Mob Squad has a solution. Join the squad. Well, we are on Thanksgiving Eve here in the U.S. Um, Tomorrow, most enterprises and tech firms and STEM and all of the employers that we generally cover here will be taking a federal holiday, federal meaning national holiday, off. Um, banks are closed. Financial institutions are closed, as well as, as I mentioned, um, most large enterprises the interesting thing is Friday now has become a primary day where a lot of corporate uh, entities do take Friday off as well, uh, the day after Thanksgiving, um, but not for those in retail and supply chain and logistics and shipping and intermodal transportation, uh, but much needed uh, day off coming tomorrow. Uh, for those of you who may be watching overseas, it may already be Thursday uh, in, in your time zone. Um, but looking forward to uh, to some family time um, and some some much needed time off coming up. Uh, probably be putting out an H1B Guy News um, posting maybe Saturday morning. Um, so be on the lookout for that. But just wanted to thank everyone who's taken time to jump in here this afternoon. Um, I wanted to take oh, roughly 30, maybe 40 minutes today to talk about some of the the latest news that I've been keeping up with, um, of course, uh, talking about uh, immigration reform and, and some of the, the, the what could be coming up over the next couple of weeks, um, the continuing conversation around uh, H-1B layoffs, uh, as well as talking about the October jobs report, which you know came out in early November, November 8th, but I haven't covered it. And I want to talk about it, provide some insight that I'm seeing um, in the staffing world as well. I see a couple of comments and questions already in the chat. If you have those, please post them. I definitely will roll through those. I think there was one that was posted on the stream before we went live, so I'll be getting to that as well. Uh, for those of you who joined last week, um, we talked about uh, really a preview for the H-1B lottery for fiscal year 2024. 
Um, we also covered a, a good bit the December Visa Bulletin, which posted earlier that morning last Wednesday um, uh, on November 16th, uh, as, as well as, you know, just kind of took some, some questions and some comments. Uh, so I've posted the last couple of live streams that I've held uh, in the video description below if you'd like to go back and, and check some of those out. But, you know, right now it's it's all eyes on what is being referred to as a, a lame duck session uh, lame duck being defined as the session after um, the midterm elections just that just occurred and heading into kind of the end of the 117th um, you know congress it's so for those of you who are curious like what am i talking about 117th congress it's going to be ending um, well, this Congress, the 117th Congress, started back on January 3rd of 2021 and runs through January 3rd of 2023. Lame duck meaning officials that uh, elected officials that may have lost their seat still have power, still have voting rights um, until they, um, you know, turn over uh, their their um, their power, if you will, to their replacement. And all of that happened, of course, back in November. Uh, for those that are going through a runoff like we are here in Georgia, where I live, um, we still have our Senate seat to be determined. Uh, of course, Raphael Warnock is the incumbent um, uh, running against Herschel Walker in a very close race. And, and if I'm going to be honest with you, I'm, <laughs> I'm ready for the commercials to be over. They've been relentless. There's been millions and millions and millions of advertising dollars spent on this campaign. It's been a very long and, and drawn out campaign. Um, but let's turn our eyes to the Eagle Act. And where I think we stand right now is we look at the possibility um, of H.R. 3648. Now, coming out of judiciary, uh, potentially getting an opportunity to be on uh, the, the House chamber floor, there are 12 days currently left. If we look at the overall calendar, um, so starting Tuesday night on November the 29th and going through Friday afternoon, uh, December 2nd, uh, then there's four days the following week, December 5th through Thursday uh, December 8th, and then again picking back up on the evening of December the 12th and going through December 15th. Um, if we remember last year, uh, the budget reconciliation that was occurring, um, there were uh, sessions that continued both in, in the House and, and Congress last year, but really we have until December 15th, so 12 voting days is what we would call that in, in the House, 12 voting days. Um, and it, it's going to be interesting to see uh, what happens with, with H.R. 3648. Um, you know, I've spoken out many times as being a proponent for the Eagle Act, which if we look at kind of the version of what the Eagle Act is, um, it was previously known as the Fairness for High-Skilled Immigrants Act. Uh, but really, what, what does that bill intend to do? And it's a modification of employment-based visas and addresses some of the backlog issues related to it. Um, I, I think the biggest thing that I've talked about is this need to eliminate uh, caps on employment-based green cards, country caps, meaning 7% total of the total allocation can only go to one individualized country. 
Um, and when we look at, you know, kind of the domino impact of where that's come from, the H-1B visa is one of, um, one of the reasons why we see this, this current backlog, 75 uh, percent of H-1B visas, 70, 75% of H-1B visas are issued to individuals from India. Sometimes that number even ticks higher, um, as high as into the 80s. And when you combine India and China H-1B visas, you're talking about almost 90% of the overall allocation. Uh, thus, why these two countries are, are mired in the backlogs that they currently are. Um, if we go back to the December visa bulls and then we look at now, we have uh, final action dates established for EB2 for for rest of the world, all all countries, not just India and China. Um, and the need for the Eagle Act, to me, if we look at, at overall number demand and the 1.4, 1.5 million and growing green card backlog that we now see, um, there's never been a, a time um, for immigration reform as it relates to employment-based green cards is, is now. Uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the house, but you know one of the things that I think is is concerning. Um, you know there are eighty three co sponsors of HR thirty six forty eight. Over uh, out of that eighty three co sponsors, seventy five are, are, are Democrats. Um, I haven't gone and, and looked at the list of those Democrats that are co sponsors, uh, but I would be interested to see and, and would be interested to find out. Um, how many of those co-sponsors are, are on their way out, lost uh, their midterm election. Um, I, again, I haven't had a chance to dive into that specifically, but if maybe some of you know that, would you share that in the chat? I'd, I'd, I'd love to find out about it um, and, and hear more from you if, if you have that information. Um, but I, I think there was a lot of hope that had been created when we go back to, you know, the, the, the Fairness for High Skilled Immigrants Act, we look at the journey here of, you know, the Eagle Act of, of 2022 going back to May, kind of making its way through. It's going to have its time, hopefully, on the chamber floor. Um, so we'll see, uh, again, if, if this 83 co-sponsors, primarily on the Democratic side, now that the House is, is shifting power to um, the Republican Party, it'll be very interesting to see what happens in this, this sort of lame duck session if the Democrats have enough of, of, of the votes um, to push this through or, or not, or if this will be something that ultimately will be tabled and will be the 118th uh, Congress's issues to deal with. Um, but what's interesting is, you know, two and a half years almost into this channel and, and we've not seen any real significant immigration reform come from our legislative body. And I think that that's very concerning. That's both on the House side and on the Senate side. We've seen smaller sort of standalones um, that, that may have a possibility of being included in a larger um, a larger bill. But for right now, it's it's been very minimal uh, in, in terms of the, the legislative action uh, that we've seen. We've not seen uh, really any executive action from uh, from the Biden administration. And when we look at, uh, you know, the notice for proposed rulemaking, some of which has come from uh, the Department of Homeland Security under our UCIS, it's it's been fairly minimal as, as well. Uh, so we'll see what happens uh, starting on November 29th over the next 12 days that 
the last 12 days, I guess, if you will, that the 117th Congress will will be in session. Um, the last thing I did want to mention, and, you know, there are some there's several sites out there that cover probability uh, around uh, various uh, bills as they make their way in probability, meaning the likelihood of, of being passed. And unfortunately, the Eagle Act has an extremely low probability, single digit probability at, at this point. Um, I share that with you, you know, just because I think that there are some some really good things that potentially could be coming for immigration reform in the next couple of years. I'm just uncertain if the Eagle Act as is is going to be um, the the bill, the the reform that that we're all seeking. I've spoken out on this legislation now for the better part of two years. Um, I'll continue to do so. We have to have a mechanism for clearing the green card backlog. Um, we need to remove country caps for employment-based preferences. Um, and that needs to be something that, that we need to get to as, as soon as absolutely possible. We can't let the, the current backlog as is, 1.4, 1.5 million and growing, continue to grow. Um, you're talking about 10 to 15 year waits now are a very harsh reality. Um, and that's across all uh, employment-based preferences, EB2, 3, 4, India, uh, for China, you know, five, six years. Now you're seeing final actions being established for the rest of the world. Demand has never been higher for employment-based talent um, here in the U.S. So we'll continue to monitor the Eagle Act. For those of you that are advocating on its behalf, keep fighting the good fight, um, reaching out to your elected officials and speaking out on H.R. 3648. And maybe even potentially if, if there are new elected officials in your, your district, um, reaching out to them and expressing uh, your support for immigration reform as it relates to the green card backlog, I think is something that's that's very important when we talk about advocacy as a whole. So, um, you know, from an armchair strategist perspective, you know, ultimately I've talked about a good bit. The purpose of this channel is to... Um, bring you, you know, educated opinions based on my own personal experiences. And uh, uh, I'm really interested to see what happens when this uh, piece of legislation hits the House chamber. Um, I'm really interested to hear the debate. And so hopefully sometime over the next 12 days, I've not seen an exact date. If you have an exact date, please share it with me. I'd love to know. I, I looked earlier this morning and, and couldn't find anything specific. Um, the, the other side to the Eagle Act in the Senate, which is S4567, um, and for those of you who've been keeping up with this, it goes back to July the 20th when it was originally introduced uh, and then sent to the Ju Judiciary Committee. Um, that piece of legislation was bipartisan. Uh, there were three additional co-sponsors, two Democrats, including uh, Senator Hickenlooper, as we've talked about a good bit with Senator Kramer, uh, Senator Collins, Republican from uh, from Maine, uh, and then Senator Baldwin, uh, Democrat from Wisconsin. But no really news on it moving through the committee. I've not heard a lot from the Senate piece. We'll see uh, if there are updates as it comes down through H.R. Uh, 3648, or if there is pieces of potentially the Eagle Act that may be included in a larger um, bill that, that potentially could find its way through in the next uh, 12 days or so.
Wanted to ask you if you haven't already, please subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube. Make sure that you like this video uh, and click the bell for notifications so that you're notified anytime we post new content or go live like we have here today on Wednesday, November the 23rd, 2022 on Thanksgiving Eve here in the U.S. If you're looking for ways you can support the H1B Guy platform, you can do so currently through the Super Chat function. Um, or if you're watching or listening to this at a later date, you can do so through the Super Thanks feature. Any contributions are invested back into the technology of this platform. Uh, but thank you all for taking time to join me here this afternoon. I really appreciate your time. I wanted to move into, um, you know, really over the last three, four weeks and even kind of previous to that, lots of conversations around H1B layoffs and some of the residual and lingering impacts. Um, you know, I've covered it a good bit, really, those that were hitting big tech. Um, and I wanted to share an article that was in the BBC. Um, and, and I thought, you know, to me, this was was a pretty interesting coverage. Um, and there was a little two little paragraphs um, and the article's titled U.S. Tech Layoffs, Indian Workers Face Painful Exit from the U.S. Um, and this was written, um, let me find, make sure I can give them the appropriate credit. I saw it. Well, I don't see it now. I apologize. Uh, but again, this is BBC uh, for India. The link is in the video description if, if you want to check out the, the article in uh, its full capacity. Uh, but the paragraph that, that caught my eye here was, was this quote. Um, For Indian tech workers, the layoffs do not just mean seeking new employment, but also find employers who are willing to help them continue with their work and pay for the associated legal costs. Definitely difficult to find employers who understand the investment and the legal costs associated with H-1B visas. Uh, the article goes on to say, if a new employer is unable to transfer your petition in 60 days, the remedy is for people to leave the U.S. and re-enter for work after the paperwork is completely, it said, uh, Kendawal, uh, an immigration attorney. But the practical aspect is that people will get stuck in India as there are not many visa stamping appointments available in consulates, she says. Wait times for visa appointments at U.S. consulates in India have reached 800 days in some cases. Uh this has been a huge problem since COVID, right? Uh, and I think that it's only been something that we've seen really over the last few months. I've seen appointments becoming more readily available, uh, but it's still uh, really a 60 to 90 day at minimum process. Um, and how important it is to have that updated stamping and, and be able to enter back into the U.S. But I think we've talked about alternatives to maintaining status while staying in the U S but here we see uh, another side to that where an attorney is advising and, and potentially saying the best case scenario may be to exit the U S before that 60 day mark file for an H1B change of employer H1B transfer um, and re-enter into the U S based on that, but getting a consulate appointment um, once that transfer has been approved, you know, could be something that could extend your time overseas. And that's why uh, individuals are, are looking for ways to um, to avoid having to leave the country. 
it's something that we've talked about here on this channel a good bit and i think is 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 worth at least mentioning again here one more time uh, and that is i'd like to see and this is pretty simple and basic reform um, i would really love to see there be in-country processing at u.s consulates meaning that you don't have to go outside of the u.s to process uh, your your stamping, right? Your I-94s, get your new stamp in your passport so that you can enter and exit the country. I'd like to see a little more freedom in that. I have to think we have the infrastructure capabilities um, to provide in in U.S. field um, appointments for, for change of employers, for amendments, for just even overall, uh, you know, I-94 extensions, uh, stamping extensions that, that provides that freedom. And we can avoid some of these overseas consulates that just are historically slow as, as referenced in the article, um, 800 plus days. But one thing's for sure, our, our news feeds, um, our LinkedIn feeds, staffing feeds, these are all full of continued layoffs. I think HP announced today that they plan to cut 6,000 by the end of, of 2025. Um, but yet overall demand and tech and um, demand and STEM remains extremely high. So it's kind of a mixed signal that, that we're really hearing right now. And I think the interesting thing that for me through this mixed signal um and we've seen a lot of people really step up and provide um highly discounted legal services or even some free offerings free solutions for individuals on h1bs that have been impacted by these layoffs um, but it's been really widespread covered and i think the interesting thing and why we're seeing a lot of coverage on h1b layoffs as a whole is we go back to the inflated demand or perceived demand that's been created from the H-1B lottery and the electronic selection process, right? We can go back to uh, 2020, 275,000, uh, 2021, 310, 15,000, 2022, 483 plus thousand, um, so really, in the last three years, the H-1B lottery has seen over a million, roughly estimated a million registrations. So then why would H-1B layoffs, if there is so much demand for H-1Bs, you know, why does it continue to get this, this coverage that it's getting? And um, I would tell you that it's because a lot of H-1s have been held in, in big tech. And, you know, when we look at layoffs as a whole and we look at the impact of that, H-1B visas are temporary. So if you're a full-time permanent employee working at one of the big techs and, you know, they sponsored your employment-based green card and, and now you've gone through layoffs, there's a lot of questions that surround the validity of that, that need, right? Um, and so this is where things are going to be very interesting over the next um I'd say four months. And why do I say that? Five months, for the next four to five months. Things are going to be very interesting. It's going to be very interesting to track um, the, the, the what I call the boomerang, right? H-1B uh, transfers, individuals impact, impacted by these layoffs, where they boomerang to, where they bounce to, what sectors are going to um, really uh, attract and pick up this talent because you're going to see the, the shift. Um, the demand is still intact. So it's just a matter of who's going to hire, what type of enterprises and what type of industries 
are going to be the ones that continue to have the man, their man and will use the H-1B visas that are already here in the U.S. that have valid visas that don't require a lottery, um, attracting those to their staff as, as part of their overall talent acquisition strategy. We're seeing it in tech startups right now. Um, and I think we're going to see that more in, in, in a few other sectors. And so that's why I wanted to talk a little bit today um, about the October 2022 jobs report. I'm sure a lot of you saw it out there um, that was posted uh, by the U.S. Department of Labor uh, back on November uh, the 8th. Um, but before I get into this, just wanted to ask you again, if you haven't already, please make sure to like this video, um, that you're subscribed to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube. Uh, click the bell for notifications so that you're notified anytime we post new content or go live like we have here today. Um, if you have questions or comments, please post those in the live chat, and I will be sure to get to those probably in the next five minutes or so. Um, would love to hear your thoughts around the Eagle Act, uh, clearing the green card backlog, around the H-1B lottery, your thoughts around the lingering impacts of H-1B visa layoffs and what some of those repercussions may be. Um, if you're looking for ways that you can support the H-1B Guy platform, you can do so currently through the Super Chat function on YouTube. Or if you're watching or listening to this at a later date, you can do so through the Super Thanks. Um, but ultimately, you know, being subscribed is really the biggest way that you can help uh, this channel continue to grow and expand our reach um, and uh, really increase our overall audience to help increase a more awareness for individuals who may already be in the U.S., or for those who may be looking to come to the U.S. on a, a variety of the work visas that, that we have available. So I wanted to jump into the October 2022 jobs report. Um, and this is from the U.S. Department of Labor, and it says, quote, in October, the U.S. economy added 261,000 jobs, bringing the three-month average to 289,000 jobs per month. The unemployment rate rose 3.7%, but remained near historic lows. No super sector saw a decline in jobs in October, with notable job growth in manufacturing and healthcare. Um, average hourly earnings rose 4.7%, compared with October 2021, a slower rate of growth in the prior months. So what I wanted to talk about that's really interesting, and, and this is where we're seeing a lot of demand in the staffing side, uh, manufacturing, supply chain, healthcare, um, as well as what I'd call environmental tech, which is a really interesting um, vertical. And so what we're seeing is where the demand continues to be in um the IT side of these verticals, right? Manufacturing, you're talking about a lot of internet of things, large ERP systems, AI, analytics. Uh, so manufacturing supply chain, really picking up where big tech has left off as they look to continue to innovate and improve their efficiencies and, and utilizing tech to sort of downstream that. Uh, healthcare, it comes as no surprise. Uh, a large amount of immigrants work in the U.S., in healthcare on H-1B visas. And so we've talked about a good bit, the uh, Healthcare Workforce Resilience Act um, and other sort of paths to green cards for uh, doctors and nurses that are living and working here in the U.S. Um, but I thought that 
through all of the layoffs that we continue to hear about, um, I thought it was interesting that you, you know, as a whole, as a whole, we added, you know, 269,000 jobs. Um, So while there are thousands of of layoffs that we've heard about uh, over the last month, um, it looks at as a whole that that we've continued to to add jobs. Now, that may be a bit of a mirage or illusion to some of you. but ultimately, look, manufacturing remains very strong. So manufacturing supply chain is as well as healthcare. But when I look at really the 22-month run, if I go back to January of, of 2021, where we saw peaks in hiring. So February and March of 2021, July of 2021, October of 2021, September of 2022, and then since, or excuse me, uh, February of 2022 was the largest um, change in employment jobs added um, for all of 2022. Uh, it was February of 2022, which ironically is the shortest month that we have in the year. Uh, but with that being said, subsequently after that, we have to go to July. Uh, for the next highest total for for 2022. So we've seen a lower demand in 2022 where employers are hiring strategically. Um, I also think that the hourly average earnings, that 4.7% increase, again, you're seeing employers now not willing to pay as much as they were uh, as costs and other variables continue to influence that. Um, So it feels like to me, we're going to see a shift in the staffing world, Um, more employer control now in the hiring process. Whereas if we go back to early 2021 through all of 2021 and really kind of the first half of 2022, it felt to be a lot more of a candidate driven market. So uh, really interesting data on the October jobs report. Going to be interesting to see what November's look like and if they will get over 200,000 as we look at all of the layoffs and everything that have occurred. So I wanted to ask you again, um, you know, if you have any questions or comments, please feel free to drop those in the chat. Um, I know we're, you know, sitting on really the eve before a holiday here. So many of you may not be at your desk or or tuning in live like you normally do. Um, But please, if you don't mind, if you're not already subscribed, subscribe to the H1B Guy channel here on YouTube uh, and like this video so that I can continue to host these live streams and produce more content like this for you. So I only have a couple questions. I will answer those. And if I don't have any more, we will uh, we'll wrap it up here a little bit early this afternoon. Um, but Hamanshu asks, with so many layoffs around, do I think there will be a reduction in H-1B applications for next year? That's a great question. Um, I've been on record, Hamanshu was talking about, I expect, did this year, meaning fiscal year 2024, and I even talked about it as early as last week, as recent as last week, um, I expected there to be 500,000, a half a million. We had 483,000. Unless USCIS changes the registration fee from $10 to 100 or to 500 or 1,000, 
Um, I was I was really expecting the demand to continue to to be pretty equal to what we saw last year. Uh, I've been surprised every year with uh, the overall registration numbers, but understand this is the one time that the individual actually can have multiple employers submit their name and increase their odds. So that's why we've seen a lot of these, what are referred to as duplicate registrations, where one individual can have four or five employers submit their name into the lottery. Um, so if you were to force me to give you an answer right now, I probably would back off my half a million. But I also can see where there is this continued demand and there are employers that want to continue to bring in H-1B visas. Um, and there are individuals that want to get to the U.S. and work on an H-1B visa, right? It's the it's the barrier to entry, right? If you can get an H-1, you're a high-skilled uh, employee, um, it's, it's one of the easier ways to get into the U.S. with valid work authorization. So I think if you will give me some time, Hamanshu, and maybe check back with me in mid-January on this question. Um, but what I will go back to, though, is there continues to be sectors, and this is what I alluded to earlier, that continue to have this like really high ongoing demand for high-skilled talent, manufacturing, supply chain, healthcare, um, just to, to name a few. And as I mentioned, environmental tech has been huge with all the subsidization and all the funding that's really coming down through the U.S. government in environmental tech. Um, there's been a lot of demand that that I've seen really kind of coming through in, in that regard. Um, so we'll continue to, to, to keep our eyes on this. But what do you think? Um, do you foresee more or less than than what we've seen over the last couple of years and I'd, I'd love to hear what your your thoughts are on that hey mel how are you happy thanksgiving to you my friend thanks for joining in this afternoon um if you have any other questions or comments please feel free to drop those in the chat um we'll take a couple more minutes here this afternoon um but just to give a quick recap on what we've talked about today, we've talked about the Eagle Act, uh, HR 3648. Uh, we've talked about, you know, really 12 days left in the 117th uh, Congress, which runs through January 3rd of 2023. Uh, talked about what lame duck is and, and the fact that there are definitely uh, Democrats sitting in the House that have lost their reelection. Um, so are they going to uh, go out um, and have immigration reform be sort of at the top of, of their crusade on, on their way out? I just I feel like if, if you look into the Eagle Act and, and some of the probabilities surrounding it, it becoming law, it's very low, unfortunately. Uh, there has to be some sort of reform, though. And that's why I've been a proponent of the Eagle Act. That's why I was a proponent of the Fair uh, Fairness for High-Skilled Immigrants Act. Um, we have to have a mechanism to clear the green card backlog and remove uh, country caps for employment-based preferences. Those are the things that we have that it has to happen. And I think for me, the the, the first come first serve mentality of of what 
kind of is the backbone for the Eagle Act. Yes, it, it moves screen cards around, and that's been um, one of the reasons uh, there's been a lot of, um, you know, anti-Eagle Act proponents out there. Um, but we'll see. We'll see when it when it makes its way to the floor. And uh, it's going to be very interesting to see of those 83 co-sponsors what their influence is in the rest of the house. And, and if we could see it potentially pass, um, that means it would uh, hopefully make its way over to the Senate. Um, but we'll continue to monitor that. Of course, the lingering H1 layoffs, as we've talked about now a good bit over the last three weeks and the October 2022 jobs report. So with that being said, um, since I don't see any more questions or comments, I wanted to wish all of you a very happy and, and safe Thanksgiving. Thank you to those who took time to uh, join my live stream here uh, this afternoon. Today's live stream was brought to you by Syndesis and Path to Canada, the ideal plan B for high-skilled immigrants currently located in the U.S. whose status may be uncertain. If you're facing an H-1B denial or OPT expiration, don't get caught off guard. Make sure you have a plan B and Syndesis and Path to Canada are your answers. They'll gladly help you navigate the process. And if you'd like to find out if you qualify, please be sure to use the link in the video description below and someone from Syndesis or Path to Canada will be in touch. And also by perm-ads.com, the industry leader in providing a seamless experience for employers and immigration attorneys navigating the complex perm recruitment ad phase of the labor certification process. If you're looking to reduce your costs and overhead associated with perm labor certification recruitment advertising, let perm-ads.com help you. And by Mob Squad, are you a technology professional facing U.S. work visa-related challenges? Don't leave your fate up to chance. Our partner Mob Squad has a solution. Mob Squad helps technology professionals working in the U.S. Uh, remain working with their current U.S. company nearshore from Canada, as well as technology professionals from around the world who are seeking an opportunity to find a rewarding career in North America. Through their partnership with the Canadian government, they can obtain a Canadian work permit for you and your spouse in as little as eight weeks. So whether you're looking to stay working with your current U.S. company or you want to find a new opportunity in Canada, please find out how the team at Mob Squad can help you via the link in the video description below. Join the squad. Um, before I wrap up, I did see we had one last question come in and I will gladly answer that and then close us out here. Hey, Nahar, how are you? Good to see you, man. Thanks for joining this afternoon. Happy Thanksgiving to you. Uh, your question is recently a Senator Mitch's changes for a bipartisan bill for all immigrants. What's my take? Uh, my take is I don't think it's going to happen in this current session. Um, I'd love for it to, Nahar. Uh, and, and I think what you're seeing is there's a shift and change in, in power. There's still some uncertainty as to what's going to happen in the Senate as you have runoffs still hanging out there, um, including here in Georgia, as, as I mentioned earlier, uh, with the incumbent Senator Warnock and the challenger, um, Republican Herschel Walker. But my take is... Um, as of right now, I'm I'm not confident that as it's written, the Eagle Act is going to be um, that bipartisan legislation that'll make its way through. I feel like we probably need to look at some sort of larger bill that includes added immigration reform as part of the language. So piecing in, you know, when you look at the America's Children's Act or what I call that the STEM 
uh, green card, the PhD STEM green card. Um, as we see some of those, I think those have a higher probability uh, ultimately to to become law versus a standalone uh, or this particular standalone is written. Now, that doesn't mean I'm against H.R. 3648. And I don't want to see um, it not pass. I do. I, I've spoken out on it for two years now. Um, I've been a huge proponent of it. You can go back you know, to 2021 and watch the videos that I've put out there, breaking it down and talking about what it does and what it doesn't do. Um, but we'll see. We've got 12 days coming up and we'll see. And if not, then we'll move into the 118th and we're going to see who the new immigration champions will be as we move into the 118th session. But happy Thanksgiving to you, Nahar. Thanks for joining me. Um, again, I'd love to thank our sponsors one last time. Um, would really like to appreciate and let um, my good friend Mark Lavaplus at Sandisa Sympathic Canada. I know how thankful I am for his continued and ongoing partnership. Um, for my friend Carl Ballsmeyer at perm-ads.com uh, for his continued and ongoing partnership. And the team at Mob Squad, um, RF Kamani. Um, and Jamie Ribior, thank you so much for your ongoing support and partnership. Very thankful um, to have you as part of the H1B Guy platform. Connect with me on LinkedIn. Follow me on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram. Join our the H1B Guy Telegram group. Um, but ultimately, if you haven't, check out the H1BGuy.com where there is a library of... Um, blogs and blog posts and news and reform discussions. Um, but ultimately, if you please like this video, make sure you're subscribed to the HMB Guide channel here on YouTube and click the bell for notifications so you're notified anytime we come live or post no content to the channel. I uh, really appreciate you taking the time to do that. I'm Robert. I'm the H1B Guide, your global source for all things H1B.